Section 5 of Gallagher and Other Stories by Richard Harding Davis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Jones, Benita Springs, Florida. My Disreputable Friend Mr. Reagan. Part 1. Rags Reagan was out of his element. The water was his proper element, the water of the East River by preference, and when it came to running the roofs, as he would have himself expressed it, he was not in it. On those other occasions, when he had been followed by the police, he had raced them toward the river front and had dived boldly in from the wharf, leaving them staring blankly and in some alarm as to his safety. Indeed, three different men in the precinct, who did not know of young Reagan's aquatic prowess, had returned to the station-house and seriously reported him to the sergeant as lost, and regretted having driven a citizen into the river, for he had been unfortunately drowned. It was even told how, on one occasion, when hotly followed, young Reagan had died off Wakeman's slip at East 33rd Street, and had then swum back under water to the landing steps, while the policeman and a crowd of stevedores stood watching for him to reappear where he had sunk. It is further related that he had then, in a spirit of recklessness, and in the possibility of the policeman failing to recognize him, pushed his way through the crowd from the rear, and plunged in to rescue the supposedly drowned man and that after two or three futile attempts to find his own corpse, he had climbed up on the dock and told the officer that he had touched the body sticking in the mud. And, as a result of this fiction, the river police dragged the riverbed around Wakeman's slip with grappling irons for four hours, while rags sat on the wharf and directed their movements. But on this present occasion the police were standing between him and the river, and so cut off his escape in that direction, and as they had seen him strike McGonagall and had seen McGonagall fall, he had run for it and seek refuge on the roofs. What made it worse was that he was not in his own hunting-grounds, but in McGonagall's, and while any tenement on Cherry Street would have given him shelter, either for love of him or fear of him, these on 33rd Street were against him and all that Cherry Street gang, while Pike McGonagall was their darling and their hero. And, if Rags had known it, any tenement on the block was better than Cases into which he first turned, for Cases was empty and untenanted, save in one or two rooms, and the opportunities for dodging from one to another were in consequence very few. But he could not know this and so he plunged into the dark hallway and sprang up the first four flights of stairs three steps at a jump with one arm stretched out in front of him for it was very dark and the turns were short on the fourth floor he fell headlong over a bucket with a broom sticking in it and cursed whoever left it there there was a ladder leading from the sixth floor to the roof and he ran up this and drew it after him as he fell forward out of the wooden trap that opened on the flat tin roof like a companionway of a ship. The chimneys would have hidden him, 
but there was a policeman's helmet coming up from another companionway, and he saw that the Italians hanging out of the windows of the other tenements were pointing at him and showing him to the officer. So he hung by his hands and dropped back again. It was not much of a fall, but it jarred him, and the race he had already run had nearly taken his breath from him. For Rags did not live a life calculated to fit young men for sudden trials of speed. He stumbled back down the narrow stairs, and, with a vivid recollection of the bucket he had already fallen upon, felt his way cautiously with his hands and with one foot stuck out in front of him. If he had been in his own bailiwick, he would have rather enjoyed the tense excitement of the chase than otherwise, for there he was at home and knew all the cross-cuts and where to find each broken paling on the roof fences and all the traps in the roofs. But here he was running in a maze, and what looked like a safe passageway might throw him head-on into the outstretched arms of the officers. And while he felt his way, his mind was terribly acute to the fact that as yet no door on any landing had been thrown open to him, either curiously or hospitably, as offering a place of refuge. He did not want to be taken, but in spite of this he was quite cool, and so when he heard quick heavy footsteps beating up the stairs, he stopped himself suddenly by placing one hand on the side of the wall and the other on the banister, and halted panting. He could distinguish from below the high voices of women and children and excited men in the street, and as the steps came nearer he heard someone lowering the ladder he had thrown upon the roof to the sixth floor and preparing to descend. Ah! snarled Reagan, panting and desperate. You think you have me now, sure, don't you? It rather frightened him to find the house so silent for save the footsteps of the officers descending and ascending upon him he seemed to be the only living person in all the dark silent building he did not want to fight he was under heavy bonds already to keep the peace and this last had surely been in self-defence and he felt he could prove it what he wanted now was to get away to get back to his own people and to lie hidden in his own cellar or garret where they would feed and guard him until the trouble was over. And still, like the two ends of a vice, the representatives of the law were closing in upon him. He turned the knob of the door opening to the landing where he stood, and tried to push it in, but it was locked. Then he stepped quickly to the door on the opposite side and threw his shoulder against it. The door opened, and he stumbled forward, sprawling. The room in which he had taken refuge was almost bare and very dark, but in a little room leading from it he saw a pile of tossed-up bedding on the floor, and he dived at this as though it was water, and crawled for under it until he reached the wall beyond, squirming on his face and stomach and flattening out his arms and legs. Then he lay motionless holding back his breath and listening to the beating of his heart and to the footsteps on the stairs. The footsteps stopped on the landing leading to the outer room, and he could hear the murmur of voices as the two men questioned one another. Then the door was kicked open, and there was a long silence broken sharply by the click of a revolver. "'Maybe he's in there,' said a bass voice. The men stamped across the floor, leading into the dark room in which he lay, and halted at the entrance. 
They did not stand there over a moment before they turned and moved away again. But to Reagan, lying with blood vessels choked, and with his hand pressed over his mouth, it seemed as if they had been contemplating and enjoying his agony for over an hour. "'I was in this place not more than twelve hours ago,' said one of them, easily. "'I come in to take a couple out for fighting. They were yelling murder and police and breaking things. But they went quiet enough. The man is a stevedore, I guess, and him and his wife used to get drunk regular and carry on up there every night or so. They got thirty days on the island.' "'Who's taking care of the rooms?' asked the bass voice. The first voice said he guessed no one was, and added, "'There ain't much to take care of that I can see.' "'That's so,' assented the bass voice. "'Well,' he went on briskly, "'he's not here, but he's in the building, sure. For he put back when he seen me coming over the roof, and he didn't pass me neither, I know that, anyway,' protested the bass voice. Then the bass voice said that he must have slipped into the flat below, and added something that Reagan could not hear distinctly about Schaefer on the roof, and their having him safe enough, as that red-haired cop from the 8th Precinct was watching on the street. They closed the door behind them, and their footsteps clattered down the stairs, leaving the big house silent and apparently deserted. Young Reagan raised his head, and let his breath escape with a great gasp of relief, as when he had been a long time under water, and cautiously rubbed the perspiration out of his eyes and from his forehead. It had been a cruelly hot, close afternoon, and the stifling burial under the heavy bedding and the excitement had left him feverishly hot and trembling. It was already growing dark outside although he could not know that until he lifted the quilt an inch or two and peered up at the dirty window-panes. He was afraid to rise as yet, and flattened himself out with an impatient sigh as he gathered the bedding over his head again and held back his breath to listen. There may have been a minute or more of absolute silence in which he lay there, and then his blood froze to ice in his veins. His breath stopped, and he heard, with a quick gasp of terror, the sound of something crawling toward him across the floor of the outer room. The instinct of self-defense moved him first to leap to his feet and to face and fight it, and then followed as quickly by a foolish sense of safety in his hiding-place. And he called upon his greatest strength, and by his mere brute will alone forced his forehead down to the bare floor and lay rigid though his nerves jerked with unknown unreasoning fear and still he heard the sound of this living thing coming creeping toward him until the instinctive terror that shook him overcame his will and he threw the bedclothes from him with a hoarse cry and sprang up trembling to his feet with his back against the wall and with his arms thrown out in front of him wildly and with a willingness in them and the power in them to do murder the room was very dark but the windows of the one beyond let in a little stream of light across the floor, and in this light he saw moving toward him, on its hands and knees, a little baby, who smiled and nodded at him with a pleased look of recognition and kindly welcome. The fear upon Reagan had been so strong, 
and the reaction was so great that he dropped to a sitting posture on the heap of bedding and laughed long and weakly and still with a feeling in his heart that this apparition was something strangely unreal and menacing but the baby seemed well pleased with his laughter and stopped to throw back its head and smile and coo and laugh gently with him as though the joke was a very good one which they shared in common then it struggled solemnly to its feet and came pattering toward him on the run with both bare arms held out and with a look of such confidence in him and welcome in its face that reagan stretched out his arms and closed the baby's fingers fearfully and gently in his own he had never seen so beautiful a child there was dirt enough on its hands and face its torn dress was soiled with streaks of coal and ashes the dust on the floor had rubbed into its bare knees but the face was like no other face that rags had ever seen and then it looked at him as though it trusted him and just as though they had known each other at some time long before but the eyes of the baby somehow seemed to hurt him so that he had to turn his face away and when he looked again it was with a strangely new feeling of dissatisfaction with himself and of wishing to ask pardon they were wonderful eyes black and rich and with a deep superiority of knowledge in them a knowledge that seemed to be above the knowledge of evil and when the baby smiled at him the eyes smiled too with confidence and tenderness in them that in some way frightened rags and made him move uncomfortably did you know that you scared me so that i was going to kill you whispered rags apologetically as he carefully held the baby from him at arm's length did you but the baby only smiled at this and reached out its hand and stroked rags cheek with its fingers there was something so wonderfully soft and sweet in this that rags drew the baby near and gave a quick strange gasp of pleasure as it threw its arms around his neck and brought the face up close to his chin and hugged him tightly the baby's arms were very soft and plump and its cheek and tangled hair were warm and moist with perspiration and the breath that fell on reagan's face was sweeter than anything he had ever known he felt wonderfully and for some reason uncomfortably happy but the silence was oppressive what's your name little un said rags the baby ran its arms more closely around reagan's neck and did not speak unless its cooing in reagan's ear was an answer what did you say your name was persisted reagan in a whisper the baby frowned at this and stopped cooing long enough to say margaret mechanically and without apparently associating the name with herself or anything else margaret huh said reagan with grave consideration it's a very pretty name he added politely for he could not shake off the feeling that he was in the presence of a superior being and what did you say your dad's name was asked reagan awkwardly but this was beyond the baby's patience or knowledge and she waved the question aside with both arms and began to beat a tattoo gently with her two closed fists on reagan's chin and throat you're mighty strong now ain't you mocked the young giant laughing perhaps you don't know missy he added gravely that your dad and mar 
are doing time on the island, and you won't see him again for a month. No, the baby did not know this, nor care, apparently. She seemed content with rags and with his company. Sometimes she drew away and looked at him long and dubiously, and this cut rags to the heart, and he felt guilty and unreasonably anxious until she smiled reassuringly again and ran back into his arms, nestling her face against his, and stroking his rough chin wonderingly with her little fingers. Rags forgot the lateness of the night and the darkness that fell upon the room in the interest of the strange entertainment which was so much more absorbing and so much more innocent than any other he had ever known. He almost forgot the fact that he lay in hiding, that he was surrounded by unfriendly neighbors, and that at any moment the representatives of local justice might come in and rudely lead him away. For this reason he dared not make a light, but he moved his position so that the glare from an electric lamp on the street outside might fall across the baby's face as it lay alternately dozing and awakening, to smile up at him in the bend of his arm. Once it reached inside the collar of his shirt, and pulled out the scapular that hung around his neck, and looked at it so long, and with such apparent seriousness, that Rags was confirmed in his fear that this kindly visitor was something more or less of a superhuman agent, and his efforts to make this supposition coincide with the fact that the angel's parents were on Blackwell's island, proved one of the severest struggles his mind had ever experienced. He had forgotten to feel hungry, and the knowledge that he was acutely so first came to him with the thought that the baby must obviously be in greatest need of food itself. This pained him greatly, and he laid his burden down upon the bedding, and after slipping off his shoes, tiptoed his way across the room on a foraging expedition after something she could eat. There was a half of a ham bone and a half loaf of hard bread in a cupboard, and on the table he found a bottle quite filled with wretched whiskey. That the police had failed to see the baby had not appealed to him in any way, but that they should have allowed this last find to remain unnoticed pleased him intensely, not because it now fell to him, but because they had been cheated of it. It really struck him as so humorous that he stood laughing silently for several minutes, slapping his thigh with every outward exhibition of the keenest mirth. But when he found that the room and cupboard were bare of anything else that might be eaten, he sobered suddenly. It was very hot, and though the windows were open, the perspiration stood upon his face, and the foul, close air that rose from the court and street below made him gasp and pant for breath. He dipped a wash-rag in the water from the spigot in the hall, and filled a cup with it, and bathed the baby's face and wrists. She woke and sipped up the water from the cup eagerly, and then looked up at him as if to ask for something more. Rags soaked the crusty bread in the water and put it to the baby's lips, but after nibbling at it eagerly, she shook her head and looked up at him again with such reproachful pleading in her eyes that Rag felt her silence more keenly than the worst abuse he had ever received. It hurt him so that the pain brought tears to his eyes. "'Dearie girl,' he cried, "'I'd give you anything you could think of if I had it. 
but I can't get it, see? It ain't that I don't want to. Good Lord, little un, you don't think that, do you? The baby smiled at this, just as though she understood him, and touched his face as if to comfort him, so that Rags felt that same exquisite content again, which moved him so strangely whenever the child caressed him, and which left him soberly wondering. Then the baby crawled up onto his lap and dropped asleep, while Rags sat motionless and fanned her with a folded newspaper, stopping every now and then to pass the damp cloth over her warm face and arms. It was quite late now. Outside he could hear the neighbors laughing and talking on the roofs, and when one group sang hilariously to an accordion, he cursed them under his breath for noisy drunken fools, and in his anger, lest they should disturb the child in his arms, expressed an anxious hope that they would fall off and break their useless necks. It grew silent and much cooler as the night ran out, but Rags sat immovable, shivering slightly every now and then, and cautiously stretching his stiff legs and body. The arm that held the child grew stiff and numb with the light burden, but he took a fierce pleasure in the pain, and became hardened to it, and at last fell into an uneasy slumber, from which he awoke to pass his hands gently over the soft yielding body, and to draw it slowly and closer to him. And then, from very weariness, his eyes closed, and his head fell back heavily against the wall, and the man and the child in his arms slept peacefully in the dark corner of the deserted tenement. End of section 5